Welcome to Friendly Words, a sermon podcast of Pratt Friends Church in Pratt, Kansas. The message you're about to hear was originally preached at Pratt Friends Church on Sunday, February 26, 2023. It focuses on God's faithfulness to Daniel and his three friends as their lives are threatened by Nebuchadnezzar's terrible edict. All the wise men will be cut to pieces if they do not tell me my dream and interpret it. The message to all who will listen is, God is trustworthy and will come through when we ask him to act in impossible situations. Now, here is Pastor Mike Neifert. God, we invite you to speak to us through your word, and I pray, God, that you would help me to say the things that need to be said and not say the things that don't. Thank you for what you're going to do today. In Jesus' name, amen. So there's this rule of thumb when it comes to talking about your dreams. Don't. So I'm going to take a little risk here, and I'm going to tell you about this dream that I had as a kid. It happened every single time that we moved from one place to another for most of my childhood. And this is how it kind of came about. I don't know if I've told this story before. Perhaps I have, but it's, it's one of those moments in my life that I remember because it kept happening over and over. Every time we moved to a new house, and my dad was a pastor, so we lived in houses that were owned by the church, generally speaking. And so we would move into this house, and about the time that I kind of got in my mind the layout of the building, where rooms were, where the hallway was, where the kitchen was, those kind of things, I would have this dream that there was a rattlesnake in the hallway And it would chase me all over the house from room to room until the terror of being chased by a rattlesnake woke me up. Over and over, every place we moved until sometime later, I'd wake up, my heart rat-a-tat-tat like a snare drum, and I was sweating, uh, afraid to move. You know the rattlesnake's not there but you're not sure the rattlesnake's not there, right? Because you just had this terrible thing happening. Thankfully, I, I eventually learned to pray about those things, and God has helped me and graciously taken away. I don't remember, really remember the last time I had a nightmare because God has been trustworthy in that when I trust him for those things. Actually, I do kind of vaguely remember the last time I had any kind of nightmare. We were in Africa, and we were taking malaria medicine. And malaria medicine, the kind they used to give you, gives you really weird, hallucinogenic, strange things happening during the day and during the night. They don't use that medication anymore, and I, because of that experience, know that I never want to get on drugs. Whew! Anyway, perhaps some of you have had horrifying dreams in your early years. Maybe you still have them once in a while. I mean, if you eat pizza too late at night, you can have weird, strange things happen, visions in the night. Dickens Ebenezer Scrooge. You remember him, right? He spoke to the ghosts of his late partners, Jacob and Robert Marley, when they appeared to him on Christmas Eve, told him that there were going to be some ghosts that would come to visit him. Christmas present, Christmas past, Christmas future. And 
when he saw his partners there, his first reaction was to say, ah, this can't be real, right? And so you had this quote from Ebenezer Scrooge, you may be an undigested bit of beef, a blot of mustard, a crumb of cheese, a fragment of underdone potato, there's more of gravy than grave about you, whatever you are. Now, the best adaptation of this story is, in my humble opinion, the Muppets 1992 take on it. In this part of the story, the Marley brothers, amusingly played by Waldorf and Statler, the guys that sat up on the balcony and made fun of everybody and mocked Fozzie the Bear all the time in the 70s Muppets show. The dialogue, as they were talking to Ebenezer Scrooge, played by Michael Caine, when Michael Caine's Scrooge offered the more of gravy than grave explanation, Robert Marley, I don't remember whether it was Waldorf or Statler, says, more of gravy than of grave. What a terrible pun. Where do you get these jokes? And then his friend says, leave the comedy to the bears, Ebenezer. And then they disappeared. All right, enough of my meandering about dreams. It's time to get to Daniel. Daniel chapter 2. Last week we watched as God moved the heart of one of the Babylonian guards. You remember that verse that said God moved the guard's heart to compassion toward them, to show mercy toward them. So this guard that was watching over Daniel and his three friends allowed them to make a departure from the king's supplied food. And God honored these four men because they didn't want to defile themselves. And so they, they, they ate veggies and water. And when they came before the king, Nebuchadnezzar found these wise guys wiser than the other wise guys. If you recall, it was like 10 times smarter than anybody else in the graduating class of 605 B.C. You ever wonder what they called the year before Christ came? How do they know? what? The, anyway, Daniel chapter 2 opens, and Daniel, whom we learned in chapter 1, has been empowered by God to understand dreams. He and his friends have been working for Babylon probably for a relatively short time. A few months, because if you recall, they were supposed to take three years of training, but the very beginning words of chapter 2 say in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar. And he was the king when they came there, so you know it can't be too long into there. So this is more like an internship, perhaps. And I remember what it was like to be an intern way back in 1986. I was 20 years old. I didn't know what thing about being a pastor. I'm not sure that I yet do. But anyway, I faltered in all sorts of ways, and I goofed up all sorts of things. Thankfully, God was gracious to the teens that I was given charge of, and most of them have turned out pretty good. So think how you've handled a situation when you're new at something. You're not sure what's going to happen. You don't know how to handle the situation. You're just a few months on the job, and everything that comes is new. That's kind of the situation these guys are in. Although they were of noble families from Israel, things were different in Babylon, and they were still learning the ropes. So I'm going to read verses 1 through 13. You had a bookmark there if you were here last week, right? Because I told you we were coming back to that. You can do that at the end of this week, too. Just leave that bookmark in there. We're going to come back, and we're going to get to Daniel chapter 3 next week. Here's what it says. We're starting at verse 1 of chapter 2. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. 
His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I have had a dream that troubles me and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king, may the king live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we will interpret it. Verse 5, the king replied to the astrologers, this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Once more, they replied, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will interpret it. Then the king answered, I am certain that you are trying to gain time because you realize that this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there is only one penalty for you. You have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. So then tell me the dream and I will know that you can interpret it for me. The astrologers answered the king, there is no one on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great or mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among humans. This made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death, and men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. Anybody ever faced a death threat in the first few years on the job? Me neither. Can you imagine? What's worse for Daniel and these three amigos, the king's request for information is beyond impossible. You heard the king's advisors in verse 10. There's no one on earth who can do what the king asks. That's the truth, isn't it? No one can tell what someone else has dreamed. I mean, I'm looking at all of you. You look like fairly sane people. But I don't have any idea. I don't know whether you dreamed or not last night. And if you did dream, I have no idea what you dreamed or what strange twists your dreams take. I don't know anything about that. Such feats, understanding what somebody else has dreamed, knowing what they dreamed, even just interpreting is hard enough, but, but knowing what they dreamed without them telling you what they dreamed, it's not possible under normal circumstances. So what do you do when someone's presented you with a task which you know is not achievable? You panic, you freak out, you shut down, you cry, you sob, especially if there's a death penalty to it, if they're going to tear down your house and take your head from your body. Not a great situation there. So the men who are in the king's court on this day, they're in full-on alarm mode. Red alert. What are they going to do? They can't meet the king's demands for revelation and interpretation. No one can. At the end of verse 13... We learned something important. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, the faithful foursome from Judah, do not yet know about the king's death decree. We know a goon squad is headed their way, swords in hand, maybe an axe, but they're clueless at this point. They're minding their own business, doing what they've been given to do. They're in the normal zone. 
So when you and I are in that same zone, we're in that normal, everything's going okay zone, we would do well to imitate these guys and keep doing what God's given us to do. Even if our current assignment isn't our dream job. Sorry, had to be done. All right, shall we see what happens to these young men and when they find out about the king's edict? We're going to read verses 14 to 23 now. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. He asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went into the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his he changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. Let's remember something. Our focus last week and again this week and throughout this series is not on just us, but on our trustworthy God. We're looking at God to see whether he's trustworthy. We're determining whether he is deserving of faith. Is he? We don't know what the king dreamed yet, do we? But we know that God has revealed what the king dreamed to Daniel. We know this because we have Daniel's prayer in verses 20 to 23. And in that prayer, he notes God's greatness. He notes his wisdom and power. He notes his willingness to reveal impossible things to his servants. He gives thanks to God for making known the content of the dream which troubled the king the night before. You'd praise God too if you knew that you were not going to be cut into pieces and your house torn down. If God lays on you information that's literally going to save your skin. Do you praise God when he reveals things to you which you could not have known on your own? Do you thank him when he grants you the wisdom that he promised through James? We read it last week. Let's read it again. James chapter 1 verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, anybody here in that boat once in a while? If any of you, He's writing to anybody in the church, not just pastors, not just fancy people with fancy robes and big hats or anything like that. It's like, if any of you asks for wisdom, you should ask God. Or if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Thank God he gives wisdom when we are in difficult circumstances, which without him would be impossible, totally impossible. Think back over your life. Can you recall impossible things that you've faced? 
Do you know that you know that you know that your loving Heavenly Father guided you to the right decision when you found yourself between a rock and a hard place and you couldn't imagine what you needed to do next? God saw you through, didn't he? About 50 years ago, my father-in-law, Gary, was laid off when Boeing's business took a dip. It does that from time to time. I'm sure there was a little fear and trepidation. He had a, a young family. My wife, his daughter, was five and in kindergarten. Her younger sister might have still been in diapers, maybe potty trained, I don't know. Maybe not an impossible situation, but certainly a concerning one, one which a faithful follower of Jesus like Gary would likely take to God in prayer because he had no solution. And what happened? God opened a door for more than two decades of service to the church in Burundi, Africa, and in Rwanda. Gary built church buildings and schools and bridges for God's glory and the good of the people to whom he was sent. My mother-in-law, Connie, whom I am sure prayed with Gary, kept the financial records and their kids turned out okay. You know people facing difficult decisions. You know people dealing with weird ailments that no doctor can explain to them. You know people who, who are being mistreated and don't know what to do to escape from their situation. Maybe you're one of those people facing dire straits. You know you can't solve the problem because it has impossible written all over it. Seek God. Ask for help. Let's take a little side trip into the New Testament. Matthew 17 gives us the record of Jesus' transfiguration. You recall the story? It's when Jesus' glory is revealed. He's, he's seen as how he would be if all the God in him was showing. Moses and Elijah appear on the mount with Jesus. They spend some time talking with Jesus, who's been transformed in this way that reveals his divine glory. Peter sticks his foot in his mouth like usual, offering to build some shrines or some tents for the three of them uh, who are hanging out with Jesus. And, and then all of a sudden, as quickly as this uh, transformation took place, it ends. And it's just Peter and James and John and Jesus hanging out on the mountain, and Jesus is back in his street clothes. Jesus, Mark informs us, not Matthew, but Mark informs us, tells the trio who are with him to keep the story on the down low until he's been raised from the dead. And then this is what happens. I'm going to read from Matthew 17, verses 14 to 20, if you'd like to follow along. It's a recounting of an impossible situation which a father faced fearfully but filled with faith and the disciples had a little bit of trouble with. So here we go, verse 14. When they, that's Peter, James, John, and Jesus. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed at that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, Why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, Because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, 
If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. How about that last sentence? Nothing will be impossible for you. I don't think this means that God's obligated to do every single thing that we think he ought to do, like we're in charge. But don't take that as equivocation about God's power to act or over the need for us to come in faith and offer things to him and make requests of him. We don't want to miss the words nothing or impossible and understand what it means. Nothing will be impossible for you. I think Jesus is saying, God our Father, if we are believers, will respond perfectly to our requests when we trust him. He will more often than not do that which we cannot do in response to our asking prayers. During the Sugar Fest, my wife and I just finished, we read daily from Wendy Speak's book, 40-day fast or 40-day sugar fast. And in one chapter, she urged us to pray for healing in this way. God, heal this person in whatever way you know is best. That may not be a direct quote, but it's close to that. Do you have enough faith to ask like that? Or to make your requests known in that way? Think about one of the difficulties you're facing. Could you pray God do what you know is best? Could you trust that much? Daniel and his friends prayed for revelation and God gave it. They praised him and when God answers, we can give thanks to him and praise him as well. Let's round out this part of Daniel's story by reading a few more verses from this chapter. Just enough to see what Daniel says to the king and how Nebuchadnezzar responds when he sees God's power on full display. For all of that, uh, we're going to read verses 24 to 28 and skip down to verses 46 to 49. I want to see God's power at work and, and how the king responds. So we're at verse 24 through 28. And then we'll go through 46 to 49. Starting at verse 24. Then Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon, and said to him, Do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king, and I will interpret his dream for him. Arioch took Daniel to the king at once and said, I have found a man among the exiles from Judah who can tell the king what his dream means. The king asked Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Daniel replied, now listen carefully. Daniel replied, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Your dream and the visions that pass through your mind as you were lying in bed are these. And then he went on to describe this interesting dream that can show the kingdoms that were going to come after Nebuchadnezzar. And it played out that way in history, by the way. So now we're going to jump down to verse 46 and read through 49. Then King Nebuchadnezzar, after he'd heard the interpretation of the dream after Daniel had done that. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. 
Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained in the royal court. Daniel trusted God. God came through. The king of Babylon learned of God's greatness and praised him. His words are right there at the end of verse 41. Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries. When you trust God and he does the impossible and you give him praise and act on what he's given you to do or say, the potential is there for the transformation of the lives around you. Your burly 6'4 neighbor two houses down whose lawn looks good even in the dead of winter. You might catch a glimpse of God's glory, his greatness. Your now gray-haired friend from high school who follows you on Facebook and says hi every other day might consider faith if he sees God at work in your life. Your nephew who loves you but who's wandered away from the church might think about coming home to Jesus because you're following him and trusting him. Who might be impacted by your trust in God's action? Your wife, the bank teller you see sporadically, the acquaintance you talk to at Woody's as you stroll past the bar on your way to the little girl's room, the young dad whose kid was expelled from school Friday morning. Who? God is trustworthy in impossible things. You can trust him when you don't know what to do. You can ask him to do what you cannot do. You can give thanks and see how he works in the lives of those around you. What have you seen God do in your life and in the lives of those you love? What has God done for you lately? What do you need to ask God to do right now? Consider the answers to those questions. Praise him in the next few minutes for what he's done or respond to God's invitation to ask for impossible things. Connecting with God is why we allow this time of quiet every week. Two, three minutes is probably not enough, but it gives you an opportunity to talk with God, to connect with him, to consider him and his trustworthiness and allow him to change your heart, to grow your faith. So I want to encourage you today to do that to go after God, to ask him for what you want, to seek him, to ask him to give you the faith to ask for what you need. So let's just take a pause, a little moment, and uh, take a breath and plunge into trusting prayer and ask God to move in the impossible situations that we face. God, we confess that we far too often think that things that are impossible are possible. We sometimes think we can handle it ourselves, and then we get ourselves into a bigger mess. And God, I think right now about 
uh, youth corps in their camp, and there's kids there that are in difficult circumstances with parents or siblings or friends who are leading them down destructive pathways, and I pray, God, for your work in their lives. God, I pray that you'd build our faith, each of us, for those situations that we don't know what to do. We pray with King Jehoshaphat, we don't know what to do, Lord, but our eyes are on you. God, I pray that you would strengthen our faith, help us to grow in you this week. Help us to notice what you're doing and to give thanks to you and to bring glory to you in our neighborhoods, in this city, in our workplace, wherever we are, God. Show yourself to be great. And God, if you don't answer yet, help us to trust you while we're waiting. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you have been encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. If you want to hear each week's message, be sure to subscribe to Friendly Words in your podcast app. May God bless you as you follow Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit.